0: Hawks, Hawks live. live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave, Dave Wyman. Wyman.
1: Hey, it's Hawks Live. We're live right here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Show starts every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Dave Wyman joined by Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. Guys, good to have you back. You had a little week off there, and uh, you're back and ready to analyze Seahawk football.
0: Yeah, we, we were both off, huh? Issue wow, where wow. I had Big
1: Ray Roberts here. Yeah. yeah it was refreshing.
0: <laughs> refreshing? <laughs> was it like a light nice lemonade or something? Yeah, and, sort of like a we're, fresca. We're, we're more like a an IPA. Yes,
1: yes. that's yes. what you are bitter. Yes, we're bitter. Yeah. But strong. But, 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 but and yeah, strong. strong. Yeah, but <laughs> we're not bitter after that loss. How about that for a yeah. transition there, okay. huh? Let's recap this game last week with the Buccaneers. Um I feel like, you know, on the media side you sort of look for everything that's bad or what's what to worry about and then you know as a player i go man i was never 7 and 2 never maybe in high school but 7 and 2 is awfully good but but yeah i understand all of everything what's going on because you know for example san francisco went to tampa bay and beat them pretty handily yeah. you know they also beat cincinnati pretty handily on the road and the Seahawks have not done that they have not had those kinds of games they had to go into overtime to beat uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but I'll tell you what Bump I mean with the quarterback that you have and that's the one thing you know we can talk we're going to talk all about the defense and by the way coming up uh, we're going to get an opponent preview from Jennifer Lee Chan at NBC Sports Bay Area, and then also we're going to talk to Joey Hunt, who has done a great job, yeah, and we'll be is. talking about him yep. and what this offense did. And uh, and then also uh, K.J. Wright's going to be playing some sort of video game with uh, FIFA. Okay, it's soccer. Yeah. I just don't see K.J. doing from With Paul Gallant from the morning, from the morning uh, show. Yeah, you don't see him as a soccer guy?
0: He's playing Paul?
1: He's playing Paul Gallant.
0: Is Paul a video guy?
1: Uh, we will see. Okay. We will find out. We'll All see right. if he gets schooled, but... Guys, what uh, what was your sort of impression after that game? I think there was some frustration about the Seahawks' uh, defense, allowing a lot of yards. Same thing the week before, giving up, what, 460 yards to a backup quarterback. But, Bump, you know, you look now, all of a sudden, I feel like we go back and forth on Russell Wilson nationally. Yeah. Oh, all of a sudden he's an MVP candidate again. Thank you very much. But we've kind of known that here, uh, here in the great Northwest for pretty much the whole season.
2: Yeah, and... and- with Russell, it seems like every week he has to prove that he's an MVP to where a guy like an Aaron Rodgers is going to have an off week. Oh, he had an off week. He comes back. He throws a couple touchdowns. Oh, he's back yeah. in the mix. And I, th- I think that's the Russell Wilson effect. That's the I'm not cocky enough. I'm not in the right media market. Um, my team is not performing at a certain level that people expect them to perform. So every week he has to prove that he's an MVP. And going off of last week, It is what it is. I'm at the point now to where we're halfway through the season. Okay, no more moves can be made as far as trades or whatnot. So just get used to this defense. I spoke earlier in the week, uh, I think on the the Danny and Paul show, it's like this is the ultimate bend-but-don't-break defense. All right, then last week they gave the the DBs lined up outside shade. They gave up the slants. They gave up the curls. But when it got down into the 20, um, they kind of bowed up a little bit. So, um, as a fan, it frustrates me. But as an analyst, I look and I see what they're doing, and I'm like, okay, I don't. They don't seem confident enough to take a lot of chances. So they're going to keep everything in front, and they're going to hope that they do enough to let Russell Wilson win the game for them at the end of the day.
0: It's interesting because uh, we were up 24 to nothing against Atlanta, right? <clears throat> and they come back and make a game of it. Everybody goes, oh, you have 24 nothing. Last week we're down twenty-one to seven. We come back, take the lead, no and it's the that. same thing. <laughs> you know, so it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, defensively, I, bump. You're right. You're seven and two. You are. You are who you are. I mean, now you just find ways to win games. We've done a pretty good job on that. We're seven and two. We're about to play a very tough team, a very tough schedule coming up. I'm curious to see how we hold up. We usually do play to our competition. And this, to me, the team we're about to play is the best team we've played all year. And we've played New Orleans and we've played Baltimore, who are two fantastic teams. It is a battle. It, it is shocking to me the improvement that San Francisco has made from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they averaged last year 0.1 turnovers per game. Yeah, Basically that's, at zero.
1: Didn't they have like one interception? I think they had two.
0: two? Yeah. 0.1. This year, you know, they're at like 1.8 or something like that. You look at their everything. Sacks are off the charts. Yards per game off the charts. Everything. And you now I was telling you guys earlier, if you took San Francisco and said, I'm just going to treat them as a player. And look at that player and the improvement that that player made from last year to this year. You would swear they were on steroids. So There's no way you make that big of an improvement in one year. And yet they have, and they're fun to watch. They're aggressive. They're beatable. I, mean, I think we, you know, we can run the football on them, I, I believe, defensively. We've got to take our chances downfield, and we've got to play errorless football on defense. But it's going to be a tough football game.
2: You know, I, you said this is the best team that the Hawks have faced all year. I think this is the best team that the Niners have faced all year. Yep. Last year, Jimmy goes out early. You know, and, and they're not performing; they're not doing the things they need to do. So, for them to make that jump, it's surprising, but then it makes sense at the same time because they didn't have their franchise quarterback. But also, they haven't played the Hawks yet. Common opponents; we've all beat the same guys, except for the Redskins and and the Panthers. Other than that, I think this uh, Niner, uh, excuse me, the Seahawks team will be the best team the Niners team has faced.
1: That's kind of interesting talking to people in the Bay Area that you got that sort of sense of. Some trepidation down there that they were like, Yeah, they have not played a team like the Seahawks and if you look at their schedule, I think they have to go to New Orleans and Baltimore. I know they're playing both those teams. They gotta come to Seattle, which is always a tough place to, to win. So
0: yeah, they're they're uh, they got of, a tough schedule. You're right. They got Green Bay, they got Green Baltimore Bay. New Orleans, they got the Rams again, they gotta come yeah. at Seattle. Man, we we got a tough schedule too, but theirs right. is, you know, probably a little bit tougher.
1: Yeah, and they've played an easier schedule up to this point. Mentioned before, they did beat their opponents uh, <laughs> a little pretty soundly uh, as opposed to the Seahawks, and that's the thing, I think. So what are you guys worried about, and what would be your biggest concern? I, for me, I, I did a thing on sacks this week, and, you know, pressures, hurries, all that stuff, but sacks are, are huge. They're drive killers, and, you know, I went through and looked at all the 15 sacks, what they resulted in. Resulted in four punts, four fumbles, three made field goals, no touchdowns, two missed field goals, and an end of game. And actually, Cincinnati survived two sacks on a drive, which is why this number is off by one. And we're still able to get a field goal, but you're looking at nine points there. And this is, they're kind of like turnovers in that you're getting extra possessions. To me, that's where it needs to happen. I don't know how you fix it. They've blitzed. They've done everything. But uh, to me, that's that's a big deal. But It also goes hand-in-hand with pass coverage, too, right, Paul?
0: Well, David, you and I are thinking on the same wavelength. I mean, that's what we grew up as you know, sacks are, you know, pass rush and pass coverage. And, uh, you know, when I was watching last week's game, I go, there's time. We don't give our our D-line enough. We we don't give them enough time to get the sack. We're playing eight, nine yards off. We're we're backpedaling. They're running these eight, ten-yard curl routes in front of us or turn routes. Um, it, it's just pitch and catch along the way. We're not contesting the short stuff along the there. And, you know, you watch San Francisco, you know, 2013 we were a bit this way in that you could rush four guys, you can play tight zone defense, contest because you know the football's coming out quickly. Now we rush four, it's not, you know, it doesn't come out that fast. And so it, it's just tough. I mean, right now it's a little bit of both. It's I don't think we're that far off. But at the same time, I go, there was a um, – I, I think I text both of you. We ran a, a, a blitz. We sent six guys. Uh, we brought Bobby Wagner, uh, came up, up on the guard. We, uh, we brought Kendricks around on the other side. He was on the, the other side guard, and he came around the, the other side of the football to the on the center side. Bobby did an inside swim move. It was a fantastic swim move. and He, he would have won that battle on his own. And if we were playing zone behind it, we'd probably get a sack because he wouldn't have been able to throw it. In this case – Kendricks comes around into that same exact gap. And they kind of bump into each other. Mm. I, I watched the bull rush from Clowney. I was like, God, he didn't give him any space. Uh, Reed, he's got to win that battle against the center. He's got to get up field so that the center can't come off the stunt. And in that case, he, he he just got pushed sideways into the guard. He was able to come off and and pick up Kendricks. So there's there's fundamental things there. You can't just X and O things. Yeah. You got to execute it properly. And I just feel like sometimes we're just missing that piece.
2: Yeah, the thing that kind of keeps me optimistic is because I look at this defense play, and I see where improvements can be made. And this is a guy who's not with these guys Monday through Saturday, putting in all the time that they put in. So. I'd like to think that this defensive staff is looking at the same film and feeling some of the same things. Like, hey, maybe we should tweak this. Maybe we should tweak that. And maybe they're saving something for these guys. Maybe they felt <laughs> that they can be as vanilla as possible mm-hmm. through week one through seven, eight, and meet these guys here and be like, okay, now let's throw the kitchen sink in there.
0: Bump, this isn't high school football. We're saving <laughs> stuff for the playoffs this week. Hey, it's yeah, but, oh, hey,
2: I guarantee you, you see something on Monday, that you haven't seen all your own film, no, guarantee. I'm, sure. I'm sure of that. No, well, don't no. you? You hope that he's right, though, right?
0: Oh, I'm hoping. Yeah, they're going to
1: explode with these beautiful executed blitzes, all kinds of takeaways, sacks, and whatnot. Because
0: I feel like we got the players. I really do. And yeah, I feel I the do schemes too. right. It's just we got to just bring it in yeah. a little bit tighter.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Coming up next, we'll ask Jennifer Lee Chan if she thinks they have the right personnel. She's with NBC Sports Bay Area and. As I mentioned, we talked to a few people down there, and they're just as afraid of the Seahawks as the Seahawks are of the 49ers. We'll do that next on Hawks Live. Hawks
0: Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman. Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. And on the phone, we have Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Absolutely. Glad, for, glad to be on.
1: All right. So are you and everybody down there as afraid of the Seahawks as the Seahawk fans and everyone up here is afraid of the 49ers because, man, they look really good at 8-0. <laughs>
3: I think with this, these two teams, the feeling is always mutual. I think no matter what the records are, these two teams come together and play each other hard. You really never know who's going to be on top at the end of it.
1: Jennifer, it's pretty amazing what they have done down there because, you know, a little while ago they hire, they take kind of a maybe a flyer on, on Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I, I think he, he was a good offensive coordinator, clearly. And then you hire a guy out of the TV booth. And John Lynch, I mean, great NFL guy, but these guys, I mean, it's got to be a really proud moment for those guys and ownership, taking a chance, a little bit of a chance on guys with not a whole lot of experience, but man, it sure seems to be paying off for those two.
3: You know, that's true. Uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't without a little heartache the first years. They were very tough. Everybody wondered if they actually were going to make it through their full six-year contract. And now, you know, all of a sudden they look like they could be a huge success and that the 49ers organization made the right decision in hiring both of them.
2: Hey, Jennifer, going into actually a few weeks into the season, my opinion was that the 49ers were missing a number one receiver. Do you guys feel like Emmanuel Sanders is the piece that will put you over the top?
3: I think he's definitely a big part of it. I think he's even exceeded expectations that they had for him before he arrived. Uh, they got him involved very quickly, which is, you know, it's always interesting to see what's going to happen because now with the Seahawks picking up Josh Gordon, Pete Carroll says that they're not sure whether he's going to play, but the plan for Emmanuel Sanders was immediately to get him in action, and he obviously did. He had a huge game. This, I mean, he played a ton of snaps the first game, but he even had a bigger game facing Arizona last Thursday. So, He's been a huge, huge part of the offense and has done a great job since he's been
0: uh, in town. You know, Jennifer, the one thing that's interesting, th- there's been some turnarounds in, in the NFL. I mean, at least from a win-loss standpoint. You know, to, to watch them go from 1-7 and to 8-0, that's not unprecedented. But to see what they've done defensively, I, I was pulling up some statistics from last year. They, they averaged point oh one. Or uh, turnovers per game, their their sacks, almost everything is either double in the positive, or in half in yards and all that stuff. I, I've never seen this big a turnaround, and I know they got D Ford and they got Bosa as as well. But but what is it that other people aren't seeing? That's the biggest reason for this turnaround on defense.
3: Well, I mean, I gotta say, part of it, a huge part of it, is you know former Seahawks Richard Sherman being healthy. Granted, they didn't throw a lot to him last year, but him being healthy on one side, the Emmanuel Mosley stepping in for Akella Witherspoon, the secondary has been really good. The pass rush and the coverage obviously is very connected. So with the quarterback having less time to throw, they have had to cover less and it's really just made the defense more sound. Obviously losing Quan Alexander for the season is a huge loss for them, but you know, I think Fred Warner is very smart. He's progressed even more in his second year. He was a great rookie. Uh, but we'll, it'll be a challenge for Jerry law to step in and, and have that position.
1: Hey Jennifer, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, how is he viewed down there? Because I'm looking at his number, 71%. Anytime you're over 70% completion percentage, it's, it's good. Um, but he's thrown seven interceptions, 13 touchdowns. Is he viewed as kind of a game manager for your really good running game? Or do... Do you feel like he's a guy that can actually go out and by himself win a game for you?
3: I think kind of the, the, the the conception was before last week's game in Arizona is that he was kind of a game manager. And of course, you know, you never want to say that to your quarterback or Mm. about him, but you know, people were kind of mentioning that. And then he goes out and has a huge game against Arizona because Arizona kind of shut down the run game. So it's, you know, with that last game, I think there's people that are going to be less likely to say that about him because it looks like he does have the ability to be the guy that the team can rely on when he's behind center.
2: Hey, Jim, when I watch this defense play, I see them flying around, having fun, talking smack. Is that part of the Richard Sherman effect?
3: you know a part of it is is him but really this locker room has is very unique and i actually just wrote a story about how between the last 3 seasons the locker room really isn't much different i mean the biggest question i've had is how, what is it like going into an undefeated locker room but it really the the attitude and mood obviously they're of course happier winning but it was never really miserable when they were 0 and 9 or when they were 2 and 7 it was you know still a group of guys that really enjoy being around each other and it's really yes Richard Sherman and some of the you know the veteran leaders have have done that but it's the roster that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have put together getting the guys that really enjoy the game of football and they really enjoy each other they don't you know necessarily have to have the same beliefs or likes but they all really enjoy being together they're very very close guys that have been in other locker rooms that have come in here i mean Emmanuel Sanders said it very clearly that he was really surprised how close everyone was and how much fun he was having just in the tunnel and running out onto the field.
0: You know, the the leader, I guess, of this, at least on the sidelines, is their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. Is, that, is it Robert Sala? A, 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 a kind yes, of a newcomer, right. but my goodness, does he have energy. Tell us about him and how the perception of, of him as the coach there. Uh, it's been... Quite a journey for him, him
3: being on the hot seat the last two years and now he's being spoken about as the next head coaching candidate. He has finally, I think, got the pieces together. The guys are playing much more sound football and he's, he's a really fun guy to watch. I'm sure you heard the quote that he actually blacked out during those huge plays for the defense <laughs> when they had that goal line stand. He doesn't really remember a whole lot, which is kind of funny. Um, but he is he just, you know, pure unadulterated enthusiasm for the game, which is always great to have on your coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and he was a guy that was up here for a while. Yeah, yeah. Now he's uh, he's got some energy. I love yeah. watching him on the sideline.
1: Well, Jennifer, we really appreciate yeah. your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, we'll see you down there in San—oh, not San Francisco. I'm thinking of uh, Old Candlestick. We'll be down in Santa Clara <laughs> on Monday night. Yeah, thanks <laughs> I for will be joining there. us.
3: I will be there. Looking forward to meeting you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. There she goes, Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area. Coming up next, we'll talk to maybe the smartest guy on the team. I think he thinks so, but Russell Wilson, probably the smartest guy on the team. But Do you think a he very close he is, second? People think he would is. be. I think he is. Okay, okay, there you go. There, it's not him. It's me. He's okay. one or two. Center Joey Hunt. He knows pretty much everybody's position. We'll talk to him next on Hawks Live. Hawks
0: Live every Thursday from seven to nine, live at Snoqualmie Casino on seven ten ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman, and Michael Bumpus. And on the phone, we have the smartest football player on the team, Joey Hunt. I've dubbed you the smartest football player on the team, Joey.
4: Wow, man. That's much appreciated.
1: That's, that's a way <laughs> you to give start Give me that off. last time. Yeah, I know, and that's how you suck up to the guest, you know, so he's nice to us and give us all the answers we want. But, hey, Joey, you had a great game, man. I Really, the only time I saw Indomican Sue's name called was when he got a holding penalty. He was cheating, cheating his ass off. He tried to pull uh, Joey away from, from a block, but uh, how did you feel like your, your game went?
4: Uh, I feel like it was a good game. You know, it was a good... Uh... First start of the year, and um, it was a good team win. We were able to uh, play together as an offensive line well. And uh, overall, I thought it was a really good game.
2: Hey, Joey, um, in my years of playing football and watching football, the offensive line is the closest group on a football team. Please tell me that is the truth with this team.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, we're definitely a tight-knit group. Uh, luckily, we, have a, we got a really good room this year. I mean, everybody in the room from – from Dwayne all the way down to Phil, you know, the youngest guy in the room. Uh, it's a real tight-knit group. Um, everybody comes in ready to work <coughs> with great attitudes And uh, everybody comes together, honestly. And we're, I feel like we're really there for each other and communicate with one another. Like even guys who aren't dressed on Sundays, being there asking if we need anything and then just communicating within the guys in the room and be able to work with each other, I feel like it kind of translates into the uh, on the field and that's uh, something we'd be able to do. It helps communicating, which is awesome.
0: Joey, it's crazy. It's your fourth year. Uh, It it, it seems like yesterday when you were drafted out of TCU. And, you know, when when Justin went down, do they change anything? I I know you are smart. They talk about it. Pete talks about it. Uh, I listened to Dwayne Brown today uh, when they were on with Dave Wyman and and those guys. and They they talked about how smart you are. But do you guys do anything and, and take advantage of some of your skill sets too? Um, no, I
4: wouldn't say so, honestly. I feel like we, we know what we want to do on offense. And uh, Brits Britt's a real smart football player too, though. So I mean, he definitely knows what's going on out there as well. So I feel like it's nothing, anything that we we do any differently as far as that. So I feel like we try to go out there and run offense and, and do what we do as a team.
0: You, is there an honest. advantage to uh, because Justin's what six five six six? You're you're about you know, they yes. list you at six two. Is there an advantage to a center? What do you, you know, mean, make, I guess? What's that?
4: Did, uh, I say I guess. I guess. did
0: i say i guess no no i said they listed you at six two no i wasn't oh, saying i, I guess like
4: i guess they list you no at no two. no
0: look i trust me man they they i used to argue about my height too but they never gave me they always short shoe. you man the i was NFL thinking you're probably you. closer to six three joey how's that but is there, is there an advantage at center and maybe not being that six foot six range how's that
4: uh, I mean, I don't know about center, but I feel like anywhere on all of this line, I mean, yeah, I, I naturally have better leverage than all those guys yeah. every time. Just So if I stand straight up, you know, if we both stand straight up, I'm going to be six inches, five inches shorter than those up uh, below them. So I feel like, yeah, there's natural leverage in there. But at the end of the day, if I stand up high, I get my hips high, I'm going to end up on my butt just <laughs> <and> not in <laughs> a good position. So you got to still have good palatable. But, yeah, you, you, there's some natural leverage there.
1: You know, Joey's going to be the largest man in the history of the world who has a small man's complex because <laughs> everybody, and I keep going, he's not small, man. He's no. 6'2", 300, 300 pounds. pounds. So, yeah. And and actually, we yeah, we talked to Dwayne today. He did have, he talked about your, your built-in leverage, but really, and then the other thing about uh, blocking, I always say is. If you're just a pest, right? I mean, if you just get in the way and, yeah. you know, move your feet and you have good hands and good feet, I mean, that's really – you don't have to necessarily pull a DJ Fluker on every single play. I mean, it's yeah, just more about yeah. getting between the ball. Like that, you got you to stop your man from making the tackle.
4: So I feel like that's a big part of offensive line play. So getting in the way of him and, and slowing him down to get there, it, it, you can get the job done. There's multiple ways to do
1: it. All right, we're talking to Joey Hunt here, center for the Seahawks, and how are you going to get in the way of that defensive line? The Forty ers What have you seen from them, boy? They got they got thirty sacks. That's a pretty good group. What are you seeing on film?
4: Yeah, they're they're a talented group. You see that um, right when you turn on the tape, and you see how deep they are as a group. And I feel like that's something that um, they take advantage of, and they all work together well. And they have depth throughout the entire game which I feel like is big for them, but they're, they're definitely talented. They can get up to the quarterback. They can stop the run and uh, we're looking forward to the challenge.
0: Well, I say that that it is going to be a challenge. I mean, they, that the one thing about their pass rush is, is pretty impressive, but watching them on film, they, you know, they play it high at times because they, they are pass rushers and they do look a bit susceptible to the run game. Um, I imagine you guys uh, you guys like to run the football anyway, so that's got to be a big part of the game plan going in this week.
4: For sure. You know, we go in every week wanting to run the football, and uh, I feel like, yeah, we want to have a balanced attack. I feel like that's kind of what gets our offense going, and um, that's something we're going to want to do on week in and week out, I feel like. I mean, we went against one of the top run defenses last week, and we still went out there with them just trying to run the ball. So I feel like every week we're going to try to go out there on run the football, and um just see how the game flows. You never know really how it goes, um, honestly. So, But, yeah, I feel like when we go there, come with a balance attack like we do every week.
1: Joey, tell us what it's like in the huddle with uh, with Russell Wilson because I think early on, in the early years, and we were all here, I know you were still back at TCU, Joey, but, I mean, he came off as kind of a Boy Scout. He was always positive and everything, and I don't know if he, you, you know, the veterans were sort of skeptical, but, man, I mean, he, this team seems to reflect his attitude uh, just being around Russell, I, I, I kind of compare him to uh, Dave Craig, who we played with. He never thought he was going to lose. Yeah. He always thought he was yeah. in every single game. And then, you know, a lot of times that that sort of positivity comes off as phony, and it, it is it is not with him. T- talk about him and uh, and what he's like to be around, especially you know when you're making a fourth quarter comeback drive.
4: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you hit the you hit the nail on the on um, the hammer on the head with that one. Um, yeah, he, he comes out, he, he every day, he comes out of practice every day with like that type of attitude, he comes to meetings every day. I mean, he, he really believes, I mean, it's just a great opportunity. Honestly, I feel like he takes everything as an opportunity. And, um, so like when we have the drive to go 43 seconds, he just like believe and he always believes, honestly, I feel like he just takes advantage of every opportunity he gets. But, uh, yeah, you hit perfect. He, he never thinks that we're out. I mean there's been some games i mean uh, a few years back where we, or a couple of years back when we were down pretty bad and he's still on the sideline everybody stay up you know like mm-hmm. believing and it, it wasn't looking very good but uh right. and i feel like he genuinely believes it like he was ready to go he's like two t- touchdown onside kick touchdown onside kick touchdown and we're we're winning <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, same we have a chance i'm like well yeah who knows
4: yeah. so but <laughs> uh awesome. and I, and he really believes it i mean i feel like he does it he does it every day he does it in the building, he does it up on the field, he does it practice. I mean, you know, so I feel like it's, it's something genuine and you really just have to believe it because that's it, it, all it is.
2: Hey, Joey, I am a high school head football coach and my offensive linemen are always running to the sideline after a pancake block. Do you guys still get as hyped off of pancake blocks or is it more just about alignment assignment type stuff?
4: Oh, nah, yeah. You get more hyped, even more hyped in the NFL <laughs> about pancake blocks. <laughs> It's way harder to get those, man, in the league just because it's way harder to get a grown man to end up on his back. So, yeah, we're always, uh, again, hype about those.
0: Going to change a little bit on you here. You're you're a Texas kid, went to TCU. My kids just, matter of fact, two weeks ago, I've been crying like crazy. They just moved to Dallas. Um, So I'm. I'm Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you you world. Yeah, you, know, you know what I do? My I think uh, mom mom and dad would be moving out there soon as soon as my daughter has some children there. Um big game this week though. You guys got uh, the Longhorns. Is is because TCU wasn't in the Big 12 for 30 years. Is that a rival game? I mean, is that a big deal this week?
4: Uh, no, they they actually played UT like two uh, two weeks two weekends ago.
0: Oh, I thought they were playing them this week. Oh, well, see, yeah, and and there there goes my great question.
4: Joey, pretend
0: be, you know, like they're playing you know, them this week.
4: Yeah. No, we you know we've won. Uh, I think six out of seven No, six out of eight meetings. So, since we've been joining the Big Twelve, we've been doing pretty good in there.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, I said Joey's really smart. I'm not. You're not, Paul. Sorry. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm aging. Yeah. I don't know why. I saw it, I saw. <laughs> I just looked it up. i clearly my thing didn't get refreshed. All right. All I blame right. that on our producer. No, you're
1: good.
4: Let's, let's uh, let Joey uh, go. Honestly, <laughs> I just want to do some shade at UT. But yeah, uh, there you go. Horns uh, down. Yeah. No, my, my little sister goes there. My little sister actually goes to UT though, so I don't, I don't have any bad blood sports against them or anything like that.
0: Uh, They're both good. We
1: talked to Brandon Jackson. He said horns down. Horns down. He threw that one in there, horns down.
4: Well, yeah, you know, he's a Red Raider, man. They're different.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Joey, thanks for spending the time with us. Good luck. Good luck on Monday night. And uh, keep playing like you're playing, man. We appreciate it.
4: Uh, I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good night. Good luck at the casino. (laughs)
1: Thank you. All right, there he goes, Joey Hunt. Well, coming up next, uh, we'll take a trip around the NFL with the professor John Clayton. That's next on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the
1: Snoqualmie Casino. It's Hawks Live, Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, And Michael Bumpus, and now we're joined by the professor, John Clayton. Professor, are you enjoying the game tonight? You know, it's an interesting game
5: because, again, it's like I've never seen Phillip Rivers make this many mistakes. I mean, he's almost been uh, eligible for about four interceptions. And the Raiders, I mean, I think you can see the improvement in the team with the John Gruden play calling and what they're doing with the uh, running backs and all that stuff. But an interesting game
1: yeah I'm, I'm rooting for John Gruden to turn things around, and yeah. you know you see what what happened with uh, in San Francisco. Uh, I mean look, you, you brought in Shanahan and, and John Lynch and didn't work right away. Last year they were four and twelve, and so yeah for the Raiders, I mean uh, their second year with Gruden, uh, I feel like uh, you know he can turn this thing around and you know is Derek Carr maybe the sneakiest? Best quarterback in the league right now. You don't hear a lot about him, no. but man, his he, he's good. Percentage. But you
5: can see with Gruden, he's kind of like um, I don't know. Like for example, you go week to week with how Gruden feels about him, and I don't know long term how he feels about Carr, because you know in the end it's like he's he's really tough on quarterbacks. But you can see what he's done. He's taken the position. It's like, okay, I'm not going to let him throw real tough passes. I'm going to try to get the running game going. I'm going to set this thing up. And, um, you know, it's like it's, it's not. there's no guarantee that Carr is going to be the quarterback for him next year. I think he should because I think he's talented enough. But, uh, you know, Gruden's tough on these quarterbacks. And I know he doesn't like to go for rookies. That's one thing that we've seen in the past. Uh, interesting dynamic.
0: You know, John, I, I've never seen – we were talking earlier. We, we've seen a team go from 1-7 to 8-0 before, you know. But I've never seen a team this dominant on defense who really struggled last year. Couldn't really, – didn't sack, didn't get turnovers, struggled, you know, yardage-wise – can you remember a team that's made this big a jump from one year to the next?
5: No, I can't because I was talking to uh, John Lynch about this, interviewed him a couple of days ago, and it's like I can't remember because now injuries put them in a position where they were the second worst team in the league last year, okay? And, you know, they—they they, I think, what was it, the number? Nine turnovers they created during the course of the season and incredibly low. Now, they knew they needed to get edge pass rushers, and so they go for D-Ford. And they trade for him a second-round pick. They use the first-round pick, second pick in the draft on Nick Boza. And they have three other first-round picks on their defensive line. That shoots everything up. Then they sign Quam Alexander from Tampa Bay, who I've loved this player for so many years. He's just so good. And so he comes in and does a good job now until he gets his ACL injury. And it's like, wow, you improved the front seven enough that now you can take the position, you can go from the second-worst team in the league to, I guess, technically the best team in a league? I've never seen a jump like this. They're the best
0: I've seen on film. I mean, they're, they're well, at least defensively. They're, they're that good.
2: Hey, John, I want to talk about Jason Myers. He's struggled a little bit, obviously, the past couple of weeks, and people might be calling for his head. How difficult is it to find a solid kicker in the NFL today?
5: Oh, Michael, I love you for saying that. Because, <laughs> I, mean, I, I went through the eight, uh, eight kickers who have signed with different teams, and again, these, this is the pool of players that are available. Okay, so those eight kickers have come in. They're 25 of 39. 25 of 39, roughly in the 60% range of making field goals. And a lot of them miss, have miss, missed extra points. And so it, there, there's no pool of guys that are going to be better than the guy that you're going to replace. I mean, look at, for example, the New England Patriots. Steven Goskowski gets an injury. He goes on injured reserve. So they bring in you know Mike uh, Nugent, who ends up getting cut. Then they have to get Nick Folk, who is from the AAF, I mean, there's not, nothing available. And you also look out there and you say, okay, who also is available? Blair Walsh? Are you going to go with Blair Walsh or Cody Parkey? Mm-hmm. And Cody Parkey, technically, of all the eight kickers that have come into the league because of injuries, bad kicking or whatever, Cody Parkey's three for three. Do you want to trust him? And, he, and, and, that, and when Ryan Suckup got back healthy off the injured reserve list, they let him go. There's nobody better on the street than Jason Myers.
0: Yeah, I don't want to suck up on our team.
5: No, no um, suck up.
0: <laughs> you don't uh, want to hey, doink doink no, Parky no.
1: either. Yeah,
5: right? yeah. Cody doink doink is not the one you want to go for. Yeah.
0: Let, let's talk uh, some injuries here, and uh, we'll, we'll start with San Francisco. Man, George Kittle is mm-hmm. a man. That is a phenomenal tight end. It looked like he hyperextended hyper his leg last week, and it didn't even slow him down. But I but I, I saw he I didn't practice either maybe today. What, what's the latest on him?
5: Got to be a concern. Now, again, when you look at the Wednesday injury list and you look at the long list of both Seattle and San Francisco, you discount it because it's the Wednesday injury list. Some of it's a matter of just resting the players and all those different things. But you got to be concerned because, I mean, George Kale is one of the best tight ends in the league, and tight end is so important for Kyle Shanahan's offense. And so you know if he's going to miss the game that's huge now again the, the one injury on defense that affects him is quam alexander because he's so good in coverage one of the best coverage linebackers in the league that creates a hole if they're missing alexander and kettle from the arizona game that's that's a team that's going to be a lot weakened so they have to have him back out there because tight ends are so important in the Kyle shanahan offense so that could be a huge injury if he can't play
2: Hey, John, I'm looking at the 49ers schedule and the Seahawks schedule. How important is this game for the Seahawks? Can they afford to take a loss and think that they can catch up to 49ers and win the division?
5: Now, if they take the loss, they're probably going to be the wild card. Because you know now it's going to be too tough to catch them because there's such a big lead. And you know, like in the in the case of the 49ers and the Seahawks, yeah, they have, both have tough schedules. 49ers, believe it or not, tougher than the Seahawks in the closing schedule. Seahawks, are, I mean the Seahawks are like 27 and 49ers are uh, 31st as far as the, the the wins as far as that as far as the closing schedule. But in the end, I mean you got to win this game to close the gap. I mean both teams are going to be in the playoffs, I think. Because, I mean, if they lose this game, Seattle can still get to 10 or 11. But if you're San Francisco, this is the game that gets you a bye week. If you can win this, now you're going to win 12. And if you win 12, depending on the tiebreakers against Green Bay or whoever, you're going to be now a home team that's going to get a bye week, and that's huge. So both teams have so much on the line in this game. But uh, you know, one one thing is the more I think about this, this game against Seattle, it's like okay, you favor the 49ers. They got you know they can rush four drop seven, and do different things. But again changes on the quam alexander thing that's going to change some things in their coverage but you know in the end seattle i think can have a pretty close game and do pretty well in this game
0: you know pete's really uh, tried to manage the expectations on on the josh gordon signing um been working hard he was trying to learn the system What, what do you think happens this week
5: I think maybe 20 plays, maybe two catches, something like that. Because he, he, like uh, Quandre Diggs, has to get into the system to see where they fit. But when you think about this, now I know that Josh Gordon is not the Pro Bowl player he was in 2014. You know, So many things have happened with off-the-field stuff and just his play. And the fact now he's a little bit older, past the age of 30, he's not... You know, the 2013 player that got 1636 yards, but he still can be good and he still can be an option. And again, you're, you're looking at the, the third best receiver on the team. You know, how does he look compared to, to Jaron Brown? How does he look compared to, uh, you know, David Moore? And if he can be an upgrade as far as that, that could be huge. And again, Russell Wilson, as good as he is, makes every wide receiver who works with him that much better. So I think this could be a good combination, and it's a good addition because now, even though he's on a one-year deal and all those different things, I think he can help.
1: You know, Josh Gordon, Quandre Diggs, Ziggy Ansah, I don't really expect that that much from them. Any Anything to me that you get from those guys is a bonus, but I expect something from Ed Dixon. And, you know, there was a chance that he was going to be Um, good to go last week. They didn't end up activating him, but he is a really good tight end, and I think, you know, it'll... uh, You know, Pete said something today, though, like if he makes it there or if he makes it up, and I I felt like it was going to be kind of a game-time decision on do they need a tight end, do they need to activate, you know, a a guard or an offensive lineman, but I don't know how you guys all feel. You too, John. Um, I I feel like Ed Dixon, he's... I, I think he... You can expect really good things from him this year.
5: I agree. Because, again, he's good enough to be the starter because he's a good blocker, he's a good pass catcher, and he's just a good player. And I think the only thing that's like in the back of Pete Carroll's mind and John Snyder's eye is that you're letting a good player go to get him on the roster. And yeah. so it's like, okay, are you ready yeah. to do that? Because you here they let uh, Gary Jennings go, and they like Gary Jennings a lot. And you notice he got claimed by a couple teams. Giants claimed him new Miami Dolphins claimed him good player and so are you willing to do that and I think in this case they probably would because again you don't know how I mean Luke Wilson was limited in practice today with a rib injury and so it looks like he could be available can you get by with Wilson and Jacob Hollister and certainly did it last week because Hollister played so well two touchdown passes big interference in the end zone I mean he did so well but again Dixon is such a good player. It's, I, I, in fact, he's healthy. I think they'll activate him.
1: Yeah. All right, professor. Well, thank you very much. I will talk to you tomorrow, and uh, we will, you guys will probably talk to him on uh, on Monday in the pregame show.
0: Yes, we will, and the postgame right. show.
1: Thank you, professor. Thank you. All right, All right there he goes, John Clayton. Coming up next, we're going to dive into the Seahawk defense. We got uh, two head coaches. That were Wait, were you a head coach? No, Paul, you were an assistant coach.
0: Felt like a head coach, though. Yeah. Got paid with like Bell an assistant. View.
1: Yeah, and then, you, no. of course, assistant coach for the Seattle Seahawks, Michael Bumpus, head coach. At, don't be complaining about your pay. We got, Bumpus, <laughs> Bumpus he the head coach at Monroe. paid about the same
0: I did when I was an assistant with the Seahawks. Shucks. Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: Monroe oh, yeah. High School head coach, Michael Bumpus, and I try to be a coach. We're going to see if we can fix the problems that they're having on the defense. That's next on Hawks Live.